It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright. Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it's an absolute pleasure to be with you here today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and this is going to be a fantastic and amazing show. I will introduce my guest momentarily, and I promise we're going to have a lot of fun. I do want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I usually do this every single week. Now, one of the ideas we hear about a lot in personal development or building a successful life is to identify what you want and make plans to have that happen. This is certainly true, but what people often do not think about is that you also need to figure out what you don't want to do. For example, what are you unwilling to tolerate any longer? Who are you no longer willing to have around? And most importantly, why not? If you draw your line in the sand and say no more, that will cut off a lot of options that don't serve you at all, and it allows you to focus on the things that will serve you. This might mean disappointing a few people, but so what? It's your journey. I resolved a long time ago that I am not required to explain my journey to someone who will never understand it. It's a fruitless exercise. So just remember this. Resolve today to identify what you are no longer willing to tolerate. Draw your line in the sand. You will feel more peaceful, more powerful, and more productive, and you will be very, very glad you did. With all this in mind, I do want to introduce my guest, but before I forget, if you've not picked up my latest book, which dropped last week, it's called The Greatest Lessons I Learned from Being an Entrepreneur, Volume 2. It sold very well so far, and it's on Amazon. The Kindle version is 99 cents. The paperback version, I believe, is $14.99, and I discuss some of the greatest lessons I learned from being an entrepreneur, and some friends of mine have contributed their lessons as well. So you'll get to hear from a lot of different perspectives. And so if you are struggling with your business or looking to scale your business or you're just starting, you probably will be facing some of the issues that we talk about in this book. So once again, that's the greatest lessons I learned from being an entrepreneur, volume two. It's on Amazon right now. My guest this week is Steve Rosenberg. Let me tell you about him. After the tragedies of 9-11, he lost his safe and secure career as an airline pilot, but went on to create a commercial empire. Losing hundreds of thousands of dollars didn't stop him from creating the fastest growing property management company in Texas, managing over a thousand properties across three major metropolitan cities before selling it to venture capital. For the past decade, he has helped hundreds of business owners generate tens of millions of dollars in dozens of industries from tech companies to plumbing and roofing contractors. He's also flipped, owned, and wholesaled hundreds of single-family homes and apartment complexes. And as the host of the High Stakes Podcast, he's interviewed major influencers. And as an international speaker, he shared the stage with Ed Milet, Bradley, Jordan Belfort, among many, many others. And when he's not flying a Boeing 777, he's applying his experience as a commercial airline pilot to help entrepreneurs take their business to their dream destination. We have a lot to unravel today. So here we are with my very special guest, Steve Rosenberg. Steve, welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me today. Ah, uh, You're so welcome. So here's the first question I usually like to ask everyone. Did you envision early on that you would be where you are right now? Boy, that, that's a good question. Uh, I would say the answer is no, which is probably what you hear from everyone. Um, you know, like many people, being an entrepreneur is it was something that was secondary to me, at least. My first passion and dream was to be an airline pilot, uh, which I got hired at 25 years old. And 
I, I, all I ever wanted to do was be a pilot. So to go ahead and go down this path of entrepreneurship, speaking on stages, writing books, coaching people was definitely not a plan. But how many people start a life with one plan and they pivot? And that's kind of when you think of an entrepreneur, that's kind of what we do. That's who we are. We have to learn how to pivot. Just like being an airline pilot flying a plane, we have to change course and change directions based on weather and other things that go on. That is life. And so I learned that that was mistaken on my part to be so naive to think that I would just go down this path and not have any obstructions or any deviations or any pivoting points in my life. Now, I took a different direction um, because of what was going on. But the quick answer is no, not in a million years would I think I'd be doing what I'm doing or on this show here with you today. Absolutely. And you talked about pivoting. 9-11 was a massive pivot for a lot of us, but it literally was a life-changing moment for you. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, as I said, is when I was uh, 25, I got hired with the airline. And, you know, normally when you get hired with an airline, you're kind of done, right? It's a great job, your career, you're set, you have seniority in a big union, you're good to go. And 9-11 hit three years after I was employed by this particular company. And for my pivotal day or my 9-11, if you will, was two days after the towers fell. That's when I got delivered a furlough notice. And the furlough notice basically said, we appreciate you. Glad you were here. But you're about to be on the street with 50,000 other airline pilots. So good luck. Wow. And so obviously we had 9-11 where everyone's in shock from that. And now I just realized I didn't cause this to happen. But now I'm going to be out of a job because of something that I had nothing to do with. And more importantly, what it, what, as the, the, as it started to evolve in my head, I realized I got lazy. And, and what I mean by getting lazy is I thought in my mind that I was done. I had a job that I was secure for life. Well, the reality is, is there's no such thing. And that was an illusion that I let myself believe. And more importantly, I let other people dictate my future. I let mm. other people decide what my family was going to be able to make how I was going to survive, when I was going to be able to take days off. And I thought to myself, when that happened, and after the death settled, I thought I will never, ever put myself or my family in this position again, that someone can dictate what I do with my life. So it, it, it was a, obviously 9-11, without a doubt, was, was a horrific tragedy. What right. happened to me, yes, was, was tragic, but it was also a great lesson in life of learning how to pivot. And in a way... I hate to say this, but I'm kind of glad I got my furlough notice um, because it, it it made me more fulfilled in what I'm doing now. Yeah. And as I still am an airline pilot, I love what I do. I also know that it is a job and I'm never relying upon that job anymore because I do other things. Absolutely. And so when that pivot moment happened, you realized that entrepreneurship was something that you needed to embrace, correct? Yeah, what I very simply, I looked around and said, okay, what do successful people do? I didn't mm -hmm. know. I didn't know anything because when you're so specialized, like being an airline pilot, that's great until you can't get a job as an airline pilot and then you're kind of useless. So I had to look around and said, okay, what do other people do? Everyone that I saw that had some form of success was tied to real estate. I didn't know anything about it, but I thought, you know what? It makes sense. So I started focusing on real estate. I went to this big building with books. And it's called a library because back mm -hmm. then YouTube didn't exist or Facebook. And right. uh, I had to read a book a week on real estate. And mm -hmm. every week I'd go to the library, I'd check out a new book, and I would read everything I could. 
because I wanted to make sure that I was making the right pivot. But yeah. I took massive action. And to me, the key for pivoting, I learned, was when you make that pivot and you make that turn, you have to fully commit. Most people make that pivot and they don't fully commit. They go off the, they go off the ledge, if you will, because they didn't hug the turn tight enough. If you're not, yeah. if you're not committed, don't make the turn. Right. So I, I was fully committed because my should get involved in real estate investing someday became a, if I don't do this, I will not be able to feed my family. That mm-hmm. became a must. And yeah. when that happens, it's amazing how your focus can really dial in. Yeah. So that became your mission then was to help uh, feed your family and to help other people create generational wealth, right? Well, at first it was, it was you know, just myself, uh, my primary needs. As I started getting better at this and learning, then I started really realizing that, you know, I think there's two parts of our life. I think the first part of our life is we do and we have success. And then we can decide, okay, I'm going to go off and, and, you know, live this life and and retire. Um, But I don't think many people do that. I think many people like to give back. And I was one Mm -hmm. of the people that said, you know what, I've got all these skill set. I've got all this knowledge. Why don't I just give back? And I I was, I had a, a, one of the things I've learned and, and, you know, communicating is very important to me, learning how to, how to talk and have relationships. And so to me, the way I was able to communicate with people and convey my message, I just, I saw people just like me, scared, nervous, not knowing what to do, but I had the keys in my head. I had the answer. And so I just thought, thinking to myself, you know what, maybe I can help someone. Maybe I can help someone overcome that fear when they lay their head down on the pillow at nighttime, not knowing if they're going to be able to feed their families. Maybe I could give them something. And that was the, that was where I kind of went with my life was just trying to help people. Wow. That's fantastic. So what is the most expensive mistake that you believe you've ever made? It can be financial, but it doesn't have to be. It can be a time energy thing. It can be an opportunity that you should have taken advantage of that you didn't, or maybe you held on to something way too long, but what is the most expensive mistake you've ever made? Well, you know, I think, I think a lot of people use financial as a barometer, right? That's just, that's really all it is. It's a measurement tool. So I don't put as much, as much, um, concern into gaining or losing money as most people do just because I've done both. Uh, but I would say the biggest mistake was the lack of focus. I thought that as an entrepreneur, you need to be the person that is running around doing a bunch of different things and learning how to do them very good. But the reality is if you want to be successful, you have to be hyper-focused. You have to do less to be focused on what you're doing, not do more. And yeah. so my biggest challenge when I was learning to be an entrepreneur was learning how to narrow my focus, learning how to dial it in so that I knew exactly what I was doing, where I was going, and not be all over the place. And, you know, when you're doing something new and you're learning something new, it's like learning a new society, a new language. I didn't know anything about this real estate, mm-hmm. but I wanted to keep going and I wanted to keep learning because that was more out of fear. Mm-hmm. not out of a, a an ego, but I also realized there was so much to know. Mm-hmm. My challenge was, is I was trying to learn everything as opposed to being hyper-focused on one or two things. Okay. And the last question before the break, uh, real quickly, what do you think is the highest value skill anyone needs to learn? I think the highest value skill to me is being a communicator. When you can learn how to communicate, that is where true wealth is. And again, I don't, I don't define it as monetarily 
But I do think the bigger your network, the bigger your net worth. The more hands you shake, the more money you make is the reality. If you can learn how to communicate, communicators are the wealthiest people on the planet if you look at them. If you can learn that skill set and you can bring value to other people's lives, that is the most important thing to learn is learning how to communicate and learning how to be that person that connects other people. And you would be wealthy beyond your wildest dreams. If you can help other people achieve their goals, you most certainly will achieve yours. Fantastic. We're coming up against the break. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Steve Rosenberg, and we have a lot to talk about after the break. We are going to talk about his book, Building an Empire, Failing Our Way to Millions, and so much more when we come back. This is Success Profiles Radio. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. A fisherman from Palawan Island in the Philippines recently gave his aunt a 75-pound pearl he found while fishing. He had been keeping the two-foot-long and one-foot-wide juggernaut of a pearl under his bed for the last ten years, hoping it would bring him good luck. When he discovered the precious gem inside a giant mollusk that was snagged in his anchor, he had no idea it could be worth as much as $100 million. The origin of the name pearl is derived from the Latin word purum, which means pear, reflecting its shape. Palawan officials are still waiting for experts to confirm its authenticity, but if the gem turns out to be real, it could be the world's largest known natural pearl. For now, the humongous good luck charm is on display at City Hall in the town of Puerto Princesa. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Steve Rosenberg. And we're going to talk about his book, Momentarily, Building an Empire, Failing Our Way to Millions. But first, Steve, I would like to ask, how many coaches and mentors do you have right now? Uh, Right now, I probably have somewhere between 20 to 23 complete total coaching. And I have different levels. And if you were to scale down to the different I mean, it could go into the hundreds when you think of on, on the lower level, but high level is probably about 20 to 23. I try to keep it capped at 25 total so I can give complete focus to people. 
Okay. A lot of people who have coaches might have two or three. What is it that you seek coaching on to have all those people in your circle? So the coaches that I have, I probably have a total of three and I have two that I'm with all the time. And then maybe, you know, two more that I talk to when I need to. Um, I think it's important that when you're talking to coaches and everyone has a certain time and place in their life at a certain time. And I may not need this coach today, but I want him on my Rolodex. So a mm-hmm. lot of people that I have coaching with that I co- that I have coach me, they're there when I need them. Kind of like in case of emergency break class. Uh, so that's what a lot of my coaches are. When you get to a certain level, it's not necessarily every single day you talk to them. It's kind of like when you need them, you call them and that's what you're getting with certain people. Absolutely. So what is your criteria for picking one? Well, first of all, they've got to be aligned with my goal. They've got to be aligned with my vision. They have to have the same values that I share. And more importantly, they have to be where I want to go. I I don't want to be coached by someone who is at my level or below whatever it is that I'm trying to accomplish. You know, they say, if you look around at the five people that you're with, you're number six, whether that's health, wealth, or relationships. So I look around, if I want to get in better physical shape, I may look at someone to coach me that has been where I want to go. Same thing, financial, same thing with personal. So I'm looking for someone that's aligned, but also has been down that path. Yeah, that's fantastic. So let's talk about your book. It's called Building an Empire, Failing Our Way to Millions. What is it about and what made you write it? Well, it's really uh, about my story of life. You know, as entrepreneurs, I think, especially in this social media immediate gratification society, we always hear the great things about what people are doing and how successful they are. They kind of skim over the reality of life as an entrepreneur and all the reality things that happen to us. And so I talk about my story. I talk about, you know, growing up as a kid, what I wanted to do, getting hired uh, at an airline at, you know, second youngest person, having the job of a lifetime, and then having it ripped away from me and having to figure out what I was going to do, trying real estate, figuring it out, losing a lot of money, making a lot of mistakes, getting taken advantage of financially um, with, you know, you name it, it happened to me, but I kept getting up and I kept getting up. And every time I would lose, I would put it in the back of my head and I kept getting up. And then I took that knowledge and I took my knowledge of being an airline pilot and we started a business and we started growing our business of our real estate portfolio as a property management company Hmm. and made mistakes, learned a lot of lessons, but we kept getting back up. And the tenacity that you have to have as an entrepreneur, as you know, has to be off the charts because at the end of the day, I hate to say it, but nobody cares. Nobody cares if I succeed or I don't succeed. I have to care more than anybody else. And so my reality became my why was I have to succeed. And that's a good and a bad thing because it's almost, you get to a point in life that in, in my book ends before I sold my company, but I talk about all the hardships as an entrepreneur. And the challenge though, is if you make that your goal, once you achieve that goal, what's next? And yeah. as an entrepreneur, I, I made that tactical error. And I'll be completely honest that I thought that once I sold my company, I was going to be good. I was going to be done. 
but that's just another, it was just another step of my journey. It was yeah. not the destination. And I don't right. think as entrepreneurs, any of us have a destination. I think we are on a journey. And I, that was a, a mistake that I made that I learned very quickly that we're all on a journey. And that journey, you've got to realize, is there, there's going to be trials and tribulations. There's going to be wins and losses and, and gates you're going to cross, yeah. either as failures or successes, but it's not the destination. Yeah. Did you find that when you sold your company, you got bored? You didn't have a new target? Uh, I wouldn't say that I got bored because I became a vice president for them. Um, and I got to do a little bit more of what I like to do, which was coaching and working with other people as my role um, in the new company. Uh, and then I started taking that on another trajectory. Once I left that company, I started really focusing on who do I want to be? And, you know, it's great when you're around people, when you own a company, you have employees and you've got all this going on. But once all that's gone and you're by yourself, it's really hard to think, okay, what, what do I want to do? Mm -hmm. Obviously, I wasn't fulfilled or happy. Otherwise, I wouldn't have sold my company. I wasn't unhappy, but I just felt there was more to my life than the current business I had, which is why one of the reasons we sold. But I, I didn't know what that was, what that greater purpose was. And look, once you take money out of the equation and you're financially set and financially stable, that's great until Monday morning comes. And when Monday morning comes, you've got to figure out what you're going to do with your life because everybody else is doing what they need to do. And the thing is, is you've got to make sure that you have that why. And sometimes you don't know, and you have to be okay not knowing what that next step is, but you do it anyways. Right, exactly. So in your book, you use the metaphor of being a pilot, which I think is brilliant and it matches your brand perfectly. Let's talk about creating systems, procedures, and checklists so that you can fly your business through turbulent times. How do you define systems in your business? Well, systems in any business, well, let's, let's back up. The first thing I do is I define what a business is. Okay. The definition of a business is a commercial profitable enterprise that runs without you, and it has a sale date. So if you break down that sentence, a commercial profitable enterprise is monetization. That is the sales and marketing of your business. Now, when you look at sales and marketing, that has to become an automated inbound flow of what it is that you're trying to accomplish. So first of all, you've got to have sales and marketing and you have to have an inbound stream of revenue. You've got to make sure that you're getting the right revenue from the right customers and those customers are buying from you over and over and over again. Well, those are systems, right? That's systemization. A business that runs without you is the definition of systemization, meaning could I sit in anyone's business, anyone who's listening, could I sit down tomorrow morning in their business, pull out a systems manual, maybe a checklist, and do the job, and the way that you would know that I'm doing my job is through key performance indicators or called KPIs. So it's without ever having to talk to you. If you have to be there to explain it to me or to do things yourself, then by definition, you don't have a business, you have a job. And there's nothing wrong with owning a job, but don't call it a business. The reason right. you have to have a sale date to your business is you've got to make sure that it is a saleable asset and a saleable asset does not include you. Right. You've got to be completely removed from it. And the reason it has to have a date is it'll never happen 
if you don't have a date attached to it because it goes in the someday file, which we all know never comes. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you think are some of the biggest mistakes people make when they try to scale their businesses and get to that destination? Well, one of the biggest mistakes I would say is that they don't have an end destination. I mm. coach so many business owners and they, I ask them, what's the goal? And they'll say, well, I want freedom. Well, how's that working for you? It's not. So you're basically failing your goal because that's not a goal. It's not tangible. And on top of that, a goal has to be a date, right? So what date, quote unquote, do you have this so-called freedom? I don't think that we do this for freedom. I think it's a mistake when people say, I want freedom. Because, look, you could sell your business. You could sell everything and go live in the park in your car. And you'll have all the freedom that you want. But what you won't like is the memories that that freedom creates. So I think we're buying memories. We're not buying freedom. So the biggest mistake is they don't understand why they're doing it. They're busy being busy on this entrepreneurial highway. They don't have a destination. And more importantly, they don't know what exit ramp they're going to take to get there. Right. So I think one of the biggest challenges is nobody, like if you got in your car to drive cross country to go visit family, you would know what day you wanted to get there, what the route looks like, and what exit you take off the freeway. Otherwise, you just be driving and driving and driving. I ask people all the time, what's the date you get off the freeway and you finish your business? They look at me like I'm crazy. So that's one of the biggest challenges is people don't have that end date. And I'm, look, I was one of them when I started. I didn't know that and I didn't think about that. After I learned that, it made so much sense. And now you have a goal that you're working towards. Yeah, for sure. We've got about a minute to our break. And to create a saleable asset, you have to reverse engineer your business process. You have to start with the end in mind, like Stephen Covey says, right? Yep, exactly. You've got to make sure that it's got to be engineered that way. Just like anything else you do in life. If you're going to dinner, you've got to get ready. You've got reservations. You've got to get home. You've got to shower. That's, that's working reverse engineering. The same is true with your business. Same is true in real estate. It's all the same. You've got to realize that's the most important thing when it comes to doing a business. you got to slow down to speed up. Absolutely. We're coming up against our next break. My very special guest is Steve Rosenberg, and we are talking about building an empire, failing our way to millions, which is the title of his book. And we're talking about having systems so that we can sell our business someday and how important that is. We'll come right back. This is Success Profiles Radio. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com.
you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Steve Rosenberg. And we're talking about his book, which is called Building an Empire, Failing Our Way to Millions. If you've not downloaded and subscribed to Success Profiles Radio, please do so on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and a review would be greatly, greatly appreciated. And oh, by the way, if you have Alexa, Siri, or your Google device, you can ask for that device to play Success Profiles Radio, and you will get the most recent episode. And you can also hear it on Audible. How awesome is that? So, Steve, let me ask, as we continue this discussion about building your million-dollar business, in order to do that, you have to make yourself replaceable. As a founder, you want to be able to fire yourself as the pilot, and a lot of people struggle with that because they feel like no one does it better than me, but we would all know that's not true, right? How do you get to a place where you can trust someone else? Well, the, the biggest challenge is ego and pride. Ego and pride are the biggest success inhibitors out there. Because we think that we are the best people, but the reality is, is we really know that we're not. But admitting that is a challenge. And so what I would you know, ask people is when you look at any business, it's not a singular sport. All businesses are comprised by the success of a team, just like a football team, a baseball team, basketball team. Business is a team sport. Mm-hmm. If you are the only person on the team, that's got to be telling you something about you, which means you have ego, you have pride, and you are the reason your business is not succeeding. So the, the way that you start doing it is you've got to get everything out of your head and onto some form of documentation to actually say, okay, what do I do? Most businesses have anywhere between eight and 11 systems in what they do. Some are a little bit more complicated, up to 19, but statistically it's eight to 11. So what are the 8 to 11 systems in your business? And more importantly, who does them, right? Who, not how. Many people are so focused on how you do something instead of who's the person doing it. And if you had to sit on your hands and you couldn't do it, how is it, it going to get done? And so, like I tell people all the time, if you got hit by a bus tomorrow, how does your business keep running without you? Could you walk away for three days three weeks or even three months and your big business is stronger, more profitable and more streamlined than the day you left it. If the answer is no, you don't own a business, you own a job mm-hmm. and you're probably the reason it's not growing. Yeah. I had one of those come to Jesus moments after my dad passed and I realized this business cannot function just with me because I came home and helped my mom with the arrangements and all the things, and I couldn't do that and run my business the way I was 
without help. And so I ended up getting an assistant three months after that. And that was a huge lesson for me. So I'm really glad that you shared all of that. Let's talk about data because every business runs on data. You have to follow the numbers and you have to know where your trends are in your business, but people get really emotionally attached to the data and you can't do that, right? Yeah, data is the the basic spinal cord of your business. It's the blood, it's what's pumping through your business and it's giving you information. You may not like the data that you get from your doctor, but you still go because there could be information that that doctor is gonna share with you that could save your life. Mm -hmm. Same thing with the data in your business. If you looked at, I could walk onto any arena in the world, any sports arena. I don't care what the, what the sport is. And I could look up at the scoreboard and I can see who's winning. I could see who's losing. I could see how much time is left in the game and maybe who's having a hard time with penalties without even knowing the sport. The question is, is could I look in your business and see your scorecard? Could I see who's winning, who's losing and how much time is left to your sale date? If not, that's a problem, and it needs to be fixed because businesses do not run on gut emotions and knee-jerk reactions. They run based on data and facts and figures. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Let's talk next about getting your team to trust you because let's just say that you have decided to get some help so that you're not running your business by yourself. We talked about trusting other people enough to help you run your business. How do you trust them that they will actually execute? Well, you, you trust, but verify, you trust and verify based on, again, based on the metrics. We, you know, we had a company and your company could have hundreds or thousands of metrics. Which ones are the most important? Which ones will put you out of business if they're not monitored correctly? So you've got to look and see what is it that I need to really dial in and know about every department probably has somewhere between three and five metrics that need to be measured and monitored. Now, the question is, is do you have the right people in the right seat doing mm. the right jobs? That's the next question. And are they following a leader? Now, a lot of people mistake the word manager for leader. Many, many business owners think that they're being a good leader, but what they're really being a manager. So mm -hmm. my humble opinion is that a leader is someone who inspires. They see the vision and they share that vision with the team. They give the employees a reason for coming to work and being a part of something. When the leader says, we're going to charge that hill, everybody is running behind them because they're inspired by the person who's telling them. The manager is the one standing behind everyone and says, if you don't get up that hill, I'm firing every single one of you. Now, a company needs to have both. They need to have a leader and they need to have a manager. But too many people are managers and not leaders. And that means there's nobody out there casting the bigger vision. There's no one who's inspiring, which what happens is, is you know, 68% of employees leave a job not because of pay, but because they think the leadership does not care about them or there is no leadership. And mm -hmm. so if you have a high employee turnover, you don't have an employee problem. You have a leadership problem in my perspective. Right. Do you believe people are natural born leaders or is this something that you have to learn? I think it's something you have to learn. I think, I don't think anyone's naturally good at anything. I right. think people are maybe better than average, but if you don't hone that skill and refine it and practice it, you know, the, the, I'll give you an example. Being a leader, you have to practice being a good leader. You've got to go and learn. You've got to read books. You've got to become better because if you're not focusing on being better at what you do, you're getting worse. 
And yeah. the thing is, is, I don't think anybody is just great at being this fantastic leader. I think it's something that you learn and is evolved over. But I don't think anyone is naturally good at anything without practice. I mean, even the best athletes in the world, they could say, you know, I look at Michael Jordan. He didn't pass. You know, he got booted from his high school basketball team. Mm-hmm. Right. He had natural talent, but it wasn't brought out of him. So I don't think anybody's good at, at anything to begin with. They may have the ability to, but that has to be brought out by somebody. Yeah, absolutely right. Let's talk about creating generational wealth so that your business can run on autopilot. Because we talked about how the purpose, one of the purposes, the main purposes of a business is to create a profit and have a business run without you. So let's talk about what that looks like and how you did that. Sure. So again, that that is a matter really of setting aside your ego and setting aside your pride and saying, you know what, maybe I'm not the best person to do these things. And, you know, I've gone through this like many other entrepreneurs where all of a sudden you realize like, wow, there's somebody that could do this the same or, oh my gosh, maybe even better than me. But the question is, is what do I now turn my focus towards? Instead of thinking of what I can't do, I have to ask, what can I do? Now, I think businesses are great let me just say, I think businesses can make you money and they can make you rich. I think real estate can make you wealthy. Mm-hmm. So I'm a big believer that once you buy, uh, once you create a business that is truly running on its own, that's great. But I also believe that you've got to put that into assets that are generational wealth. My son bought his first rental property at 14 years old. Okay. Mm-hmm. He now understands that generational wealth and he has something that will keep running without him because it's run on a system. I think as entrepreneurs, we can be selfish, selfish people. And what I mean by that is we listen to these types of radio shows. We read books, we do all these things and we do this for the people that we love. We do this for our family members, but how many people actually go back and teach that to the family members that they love? Now I can give my son all of my assets and I can give him all of my businesses. But that doesn't mean that he's going to be able to run them. As a matter of fact, he probably would run them into the ground in bankruptcy. But teaching them that generational wealth, I think that we need to focus more on being selfless and not selfish to create that generational wealth. I love that. So we all had to learn somewhere. Do you remember your first deal? We've got about three minutes to our break. I do. Uh, I was very nervous. My first deal ever was uh, in real estate, and I was doing what's called a double close I paid a mentor $10,000, which to me was a lot of money back then. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea what I was doing. And the guy said, listen, if you do what I tell you, it will work. And I said, okay, I'm thinking to myself, who wouldn't? I mean, I just paid you $10,000. Right. Literally, I did exactly what he told me. I found a house. I negotiated it. I did exactly what he said. I ended up getting it under contract. I found a buyer. I did what's called the double escrow close. Um, and next thing you know, I made $20,000 and I literally remember walking out of the title company with a check thinking to myself, I have no idea what I just did. And after I told the guy, I said, man, that was amazing. Can can I do that again? He said, Steve, you can do this as much as you want. Mm -hmm. And I said, you must've made a lot of millionaires. And he said, believe it or not, you're one of the few people that's ever actually followed through and done what you just did. And I thought to myself, that's, that's crazy. Like, why wouldn't, I mean, I just paid you $10,000. He said, it's not the money, it's the ego and the pride, and everyone will tell you why you can't do it. He goes, mm-hmm. and eventually you will, you will succumb and you will listen to them. He goes, you were just so focused because of the airline going away and all the stuff you had to learn, you weren't going to let that stop you. 
Right. And he said, be, you know, that's a, that should be a lesson. Whenever someone tells you you can't do something, really look at the person saying it and ask, do you want to be that person? Because a lot of times, you know, we think that everyone else has the answer. But what they're really saying is what they cannot do. They're right. not telling you what you can't do. They're, they're projecting what they can't do onto you. And that's right. one of the challenges I think people have to learn. Yeah, I think a lot of people believe that if you throw money at a problem, it will solve itself. But if you don't do the work, then why are you throwing the money away? It's just silly, isn't it? Very much. A lot of people, you know, they they have the wrong, you know, people people value money way too much. They value it and they're fearful of it. Many people are afraid of money. I look at money as a tool. I don't care if it means I'm going to invest X dollars to learn something from someone. I do it. I don't think twice about it. It's If I invest this, do I get that? But many people are so afraid of money. And if you're afraid to invest or spend money, you will never make money because you have a fear of it. And if you have a fear of it, it's, it's, a, it's a two-way street. You don't just hoard your money and then think you're going to make more of it. It doesn't, it doesn't flow that way. Right. So a lot of people have a misunderstanding of what the use of money is. It's a tool. It's a piece of leverage. That's all it is. Yeah, absolutely. We've got about a minute to our break. How do you know when it's time to hire a property manager instead of trying to manage everything yourself? Well, again, I think it's immediately. I mean, it's like kind of saying, when is it r- the right time to hire a dentist to pull your tooth? Do you pull it yourself or do you try to get someone, to, a professional to do it? I'm a big believer in, in hiring the right people in the first place to do it and not figure it out on your own through a lawsuit. Yeah, that's absolutely fantastic. We will come right back. This is our final break. I can't believe how quickly this is going. This is Success Profiles Radio. We're talking to Steve Rosenberg and we're talking about creating generational wealth. And we're going to continue when we come back. We've got a lot more to talk about. I can't wait. Down the stretch we come. Here we go. Success Profiles Radio. When we come back, see you on the other side. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian. have heard about the recent llama drama that took place on the streets of Phoenix during the lunch hour. Apparently, two llamas became spooked when the door of the trailer they were being transported in suddenly opened. The dynamic duo, one black and one white, jumped out and scally-hooted onto the road, dodging cars willy-nilly for over an hour, making national news. 
Llamas are strong-willed or possess a lot of haber which made it difficult to get the situation under control. Chasing the llamas just made them think they were playing a game as they pronked away from their pursuers. Pronking is the stiff-legged high jumping that llamas do to play with each other or elude predators. No humans or animals were hurt during the escapade, and the llamas were eventually captured and returned safely back to their owner. It's Carolyn Davidson and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Steve Rosenberg, and we are talking about his book, Building an Empire, Failing Our Way to Millions. And I want to ask, because we have been talking about investing in real estate, is it better right now to invest in multifamily developments or commercial space? Where do you recommend we put our money if we have it? Uh, that's a really good question, actually. I'm, uh, I'm glad you asked that. Uh, I would say before you buy anything, and I'm gonna, I, I, I preach this all the time. You've got to figure out your goal. Yeah. And whether it's single family, multifamily, commercial, it means nothing if it's not taking you closer to your goal and your destination. One of the things about real estate is real estate is a tool, just like stocks. So when I ask people, do you own stock in your neighbor because the company is in your neighborhood? The answer would be no. I buy stock based on numbers, dividends, B ratios. Okay then why would real estate be any different? It's numbers, right? We talked about a business being numbers and data. Real estate is numbers and data. Now, are those numbers and data relevant to where you are trying to go with your destination? And so if everyone identifies as a single family or multifamily or flipper or short-term rentals, all these funny acronyms people come up with now, my biggest question is, is why? Tell me why this aligns to get you to your goal. So the, the, how you do it is not as important as why you're doing it. And so they all work, but they all can make you bankrupt depending on where you're trying to go. Yeah, I can certainly understand that. So let me ask this, because if you're going to achieve any level of success, most of the most successful people I've talked to have a clearly defined set of core values that center them when things get tough. Is that true for you? Yes. What are your top core values? Number one, you always have to do the right thing. No matter what, even when people are not looking, you have to do the right thing. That's number one. Yes. Number two, provide people with a wow experience. When they walk away, I want them to say, wow, that guy did exactly what he said and then some, and he changed my life, right? The next thing is make sure that you understand that you are only as good as your word and your network. You've got to make sure that you live up to your word. You do what you say you're going to do. And you are focused on building up other people around you, meaning your network. You could be the best, greatest person in the world, but if you're with the wrong people, it does not matter. And then finally, the last thing is you've got to make sure that you are constantly educating yourself to the never end very last day 
we are learning and we are on a journey. And the day that you stop trying to be better, meaning the day you stop learning, is the day you start going backwards. So those that, are the core values yeah. I live by. Those are amazing core values. Thank you for sharing that. So when you're starting a business, how do you know if it's a good idea or not? Well, <laughs> that's a good question because a lot of them fail and a lot of them, you know, a lot of people start a business because they're running away from a life they don't want. They're mm. running away from, they say, I don't want to be employed anymore, but I could do this just as good as my boss. So they're running away. Now, I'll give you an example. Many times when I ask people, what do you want? Why are you doing this? They'll spend five minutes telling me what it is that's wrong with everything in their life or what's wrong with why they got away from what they were doing. That's mm. the first thing. Second thing is that's not my question. Mm -hmm. My question is, is what do you want? They don't know what they want because they're so busy focused on what they don't want. Well, when you're focused on what you don't want, guess what happens? You run right back into what you don't want. So I think that the challenge is the business, again, you know, it's not the business. It's where's the business taking you? Yeah. Right. The business, we, we think a business, we start a business because we're good at something. I get that. Maybe you're great at sewing. Maybe you're good at doing something, you know, being a, a, a real estate construction guy or laying concrete or roofing. And you say, you know what, I can do that just as good. But having the skill, while that is important, that is not what makes a business successful. A successful business is something that is detached from the owner and is living, breathing, and running on their own. Mm -hmm. So you've got to spend more time about making sure the business is running or the ability to run on its own. Now, that's the first part. The second part is, do you even have a product anyone wants? Mm. Most people think like, oh, I'm going to start this business. It's great. My first question is, is who's your target? What's their age? What's their income? What's their demographics? And more importantly, the biggest question that most people cannot answer is, what is the problem that your business is solving for them? Mm. Because if you don't have a solution to someone's problem, I hate to tell you this, you're not going to get very many transactions because it's not important to them. If I'm selling snow skis in Mojave Desert in the middle of the summer, they may be great. They may be the best. I may be the best snow ski builder. But that's not a problem someone has right now. Probably selling water or shade would be something better to sell. Is my, is my audience hungry? Are they starving for what I need? You've got to find a starving audience that's willing to pay for what you have. Yeah. I, I love watching Shark Tank, and sometimes people don't get a deal because the sharks are not convinced that these people are presenting a problem that enough people have. Therefore, it's not investable. Exactly. Very yeah. true. Very yeah. true. Very common. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you decide who you want to work with as clients? Well, yeah, yeah that, that's, a, that's a great question because I'm not perfect for everyone. I'm, right. not, I'm not good for everyone. I, I resonate with a certain amount of people. And one of the things that I tell people is, look, I can't want it more than you. Mm -hmm. I can't be the one who's asking you to do what you have to do. Because at the end of the day, and, and I don't mean to sound rude, but I don't care. Mm -hmm. If you say, hey, Steve, I'm going to do X, Y, Z in my business. And you tell me you're going to do that. You have to want it more than me. It's like me dropping you off at the gym every day and you just sitting outside on the curb. And then I pick you up from the gym and you go, man, that was great. I had a great workout, but I'm not getting any results. I can't make you go inside and lift the weights and do the exercises. Mm -hmm. You have to care more than I do. Now, I will hold you accountable, 
but at some point I will fire you as a client. If I don't think that you're taking it seriously or you don't want it more than me, yeah. I want people that say, you know what, Steve, I want to be a better version of myself, whatever that is, whether it's health, whether it's wealth relationship. I have people that I coach that they just like me because I'm a, I hold them accountable and I don't give them any reason not to be, I don't accept excuses. If you told me you're going to do it and you committed to me, I don't care what you said. You told me you're going to do it. So either you do it or I'm not the guy for you because it's not fair for other people that I coach to me have to convince you to achieve your goals. Right. Exactly. Let's talk for a minute or two about your podcast. It's called High Stakes. What is it? How did you decide to start? Yeah. So I think a lot of times people talk to entrepreneurs, very successful people, and I've had a lot of successful people on my show and a lot of times it's all about what their successes are. And it's really them beating their chest and, and rattling off their resume. But every one of these people, are they are a business, right? And I want to know what is the inner workings of their business? What, what makes them nervous in life? What were the failures that got them to where they are? I don't care about the successes. Look, you can read anyone's biography just like mine. And we talk about all the successes and all the accolades. I want to know the business of Lee Labrada, the business of the Iron Cowboy. I want to know, Brad Lee, what is the failures that you've had that has gotten you to where you are? And what makes you nervous? Like everybody has a fear, right? Not every, everybody has a fear of something. What is their fear? What is their concerns? And what keeps them going? Why do they keep driving, right? And, and, I, and I ask them simple questions just like you're asking me. At the end of the day, what do they want to be known for? Mm -hmm. What do you want people to say about you at your funeral? If they said, oh, this guy was a great guy. He made a lot of money. I doubt someone's going to say that at your funeral about you. Right. They're going to say he was selfish. He didn't take any time. Or you know what? The guy was philanthropic. Whatever, whatever it was. But what do you want to be said about you? Because at, like I told you in the beginning, at the end of the day, we don't take stuff with us. The only thing people have of us when, when we pass and go off into another life is our memories. What memories do you want to create with your life and with whoever your significant other is? So I, I, I want to know the deep down about them. I, I don't really care about how successful they are. If they're, if they're not successful, they wouldn't be on my show. And right. I don't mean successes financially. I have Navy SEALs on there, Green Berets. I think everybody is successful in different ways. But I just want to know what, what's the inner drive that they have that gets them to that level? Because that to me is intriguing, that human brain, that drive. What makes one person, again, like we'll take a Navy SEAL that doesn't you know, financially get rewarded for what they do, but they push themselves past that limit. Or you have an entrepreneur that does the same thing, but they're doing that for money. What is yeah. that drive that differentiates them? That's what I want to know. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So we've got about three minutes or so to the end. What has surprised you the most about entrepreneurship? Uh, boy, I, the, that's a great question. Um, I would say the lack of discipline of people, the, the, the mere fact that people think that somebody owes them something mm. because they've invested money or they've invested time. They feel it's something that is they're deserving of. And I tell people all the time, you don't deserve anything. You get what you put in. And you know right. what? And the, unfortunately, bad things happen to good people. That's the reality. And if you think that you deserve something, you are going to be sadly mistaken. So mm -hmm. the, 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 that is just something that every time I talk to entrepreneurs, they have this, not all of them, but some of them have this feeling like they're owed. It's owed mm -hmm. to them. And, and there, there isn't. You know, there's lessons in everything we do in life. There are lessons for winning and there are lessons in learning. 
it's up to us to decipher those lessons and see where we want to go from there. Absolutely. Less than two minutes until the end. If you could give advice to the 18-year-old version of yourself, what would you tell him? Oh, boy. I would tell the 18 version of myself is do more. Take action faster, be bolder, and do not let people tell you what you can't do. I love that. The question I ask everybody, who inspires and motivates you? I think I think the, the, the fear of me quitting and losing is what inspires and motivates me the most. My family, making sure that I'm doing the right things for my son and my wife and everyone else and making sure that I am setting the example and setting the tone and setting the pace for everyone who's watching me. I love that. Steve, thank you so much for being here. How can we find you? How can we tribe with you and vibe with you? Yep, they can find me on, on Instagram, Facebook. It's Rosenberg Steve, R-O-Z-E-N-B-E-R-G. They can go to my website, steverosenberg.com. Any social media, YouTube, my podcast show, if you Google me, you will find me. Happy to help and, and talk to anyone I can to help them see a different life and a different future for themselves. Thank you so much for being here. It was an honor and a privilege to have you here today. Thank you, and thanks for everyone listening, and hopefully somebody got a lot of people got something out of this. Absolutely. And thanks to all of you for listening. This has been Success Profiles Radio. Join us every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, where I interview another world-class achiever, learn what they did, what they overcame, and the lessons we can learn along the way. Until next week, take care, everyone. Goodbye. Thank you for being a part of Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. We'll have guests that will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. For more on Brian and the show, check out his website, briankwright.com. If you've ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living, then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Join us again next week for more Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright.